Hi, I'm Mitchell, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. So good to sing about how worthy and holy Jesus is. Well, if we haven't met, my name's Nathan, and I serve as the campus pastor, and it's it's an honor for me to, to have this opportunity to share with you today. I'm always excited when I have these moments, and I just want us to start today by asking ourselves an honest question. And if you're watching this live, I'd love for you to answer in the chat, uh, maybe share with someone you're watching with right now, or maybe even after this, you text or call someone to share this answer. And the question is this, what are you afraid of? See, we, we all face fears, both big and small. Maybe there, some of you face fears that are so big that it actually paralyze you and stop you in your tracks. Or maybe some of you have these fears that you think are so irrational that you're just too afraid to share with someone. But I guarantee you, someone maybe has that same fear. Uh, maybe for some of you watching, you, you have something that would be considered a normal phobia. For me, uh, that's the fear of heights. Now, some of you would think that's crazy, but for me, I don't want my feet off the ground, maybe unless I'm flying in an airplane somewhere, which hasn't happened in quite a while. Uh, some of you can relate to that. You want your feet staying on the ground. Some of you would think that's crazy. Um, some of you, maybe you live through fears so constantly you, you just learn to live with it and you just try to ignore it as you go through life. Um, maybe some of you think you have no fears, but the truth is your fear is honesty because the thing is we're all afraid of something. Um, you know, if you were to ask my wife, Belinda, what, what she's afraid of, there's going to be one thing she's going to respond pretty quickly, and it's that she's afraid of snakes. Maybe some of you can relate. Uh, she, she hates snakes. She's like Indiana Jones. She doesn't want to see them in person and live. Or if she's watching something on TV, uh, she will actually turn her head and cringe and ask for me to let her know when it's no longer on the screen. You know, Cobra Kai season three, we should have seen that one coming. Uh, but she hates snakes. And if I'm honest, I'm not a big fan of snakes myself. And there was this moment uh, several years ago, we were uh, we were home. It's the 4th of July. We were doing some work around the house, and she's in one end of the home, and I'm in another place. And, and all of a sudden, I hear this scream, and you know, I'm concerned that maybe she's hurt or something's happened. So I, I run back there quickly, and I find her. She's in this closet, and she's switching out some seasonal clothes. And she shows me that over some of the clothes hanging, there's a snake skin about this long. Now, we don't see a snake in the room at that moment, but the truth is there has been a snake in our house at some point. Um, and so in that moment, as her husband, I try to put on a brave face for her, but inside I'm, I'm honestly, I'm freaking out as well. Uh, and I'll never forget, she, she looked at me with, with tears in her eyes and she said, can we put this house on the market and sell it today? <laughs> uh, sadly, that wasn't, uh, wasn't our option at that moment, but the thing is, is that she, she never really was able to fully relax in that house after that moment. Uh, we never saw that snake, but never saw another snake inside, thankfully, but she never was able to fully relax. She would always be on the lookout, wondering if there's going to be a snake show up. She would, she, it, at night, she would lift up the covers and check to, before she got in bed to make sure there was no snake. Um, that moment of fear stopped her from ever really experiencing home 
the way that she should have been able to. Um, you know, the thing is, we all have fears. Some, some are small fears like snakes and heights, but some of us have really large fears like the fear of rejection, uh, the fear of loneliness, um, the fear of uncertainty in the future. And sadly, uh, if we're not careful, many of us will hold on to those fears in a way that they'll hold us back and we'll never experience the fullness of a relationship with Jesus as he intends for us. Um, and if that's you today, then I don't want you to hear me condemning you because I'll be honest, over the past several years, I've, I've come to realize how huge of a piece of my life fear can play a role in. Um, maybe this past year for a lot of us, your fears have been heightened and escalated and we're 21 days, we're in this 21 day fast, we're eight days in and maybe for some of you, you've experienced fears. Uh, maybe your, hears, your fears have been heightened and alerting in you. And I just wanna encourage you today that there's hope. Uh, there's hope in Jesus and we can let go of that fear and take steps into what he's leading us to do. So today I want to be uh, in Exodus chapter 14 and I just wanna encourage you right now just to go ahead and get your Bible. Uh, I'd love for you to follow along with us today. And, and I'm gonna share with you a moment that is honestly one of my favorites uh, in scripture. Um, outside of the life of Jesus and his birth and his death and resurrection, this is my favorite moment uh, looking at uh, a man named Moses and how God worked through him uh, for the, the deliverance of the Israelites. And maybe you grew up in church and you've heard this story many times. And if that's you, then I just want to encourage you today just to, just to look at this story with fresh eyes and let God speak to you right where you're at. And if this is your first time hearing this, then I just want you to know I'm so honored that I get to share with you uh, one of my favorite moments in Scripture, a moment that has that it's impacted my life so many ways over the last several years, but just even in the past month or two, God has spoken to me in new ways and spoken into where I'm actually at in my current season. And so I wanna give you a little bit of context before we actually read, is this, that God had called Moses to go to Pharaoh in Egypt where the Israelites were living in slavery and he calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and ask for them to be released from bondage and slavery to go follow God and to worship him. And, and so Moses is reluctant, but he does that and he goes to Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh doesn't want to, to give in to this request, but after God releases 10 plagues, then he changes his mind and he releases the Israelites to go and to, to follow God as Moses had said. And so the first part of this chapter, we see that, that the Israelites are following God. And actually before this moment, he, God is leading them with the cloud by day and fire by night, and he's leading them out of slavery. And he takes them on this interesting pathway that would not have been the course that they would have thought. And he leads them to camp in this area in front of the Red Sea. And when Pharaoh catches wind of this, when he finds out that this is what they're doing, he starts to regret releasing them. And he decides to put together an army to pursue after them and take them back into slavery. And so that's where we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out. See, Israel finds themselves in a most difficult situation. They see the Egyptian army pursuing after them this army of 600 chariots of the most elite military soldiers coming after them. And they're between them 
and the Red Sea. And not only that, on one side is this impassable rocky terrain, and on the other side is what we believe were these, these uh, military forts that were protecting another area of the Egyptian wilderness. They find themselves stuck in the midst of this geographical cul-de-sac with the Egyptian army coming after them with no way out. And it says that they feared greatly. And I think if we were all in their same situation, we probably would be experiencing a lot of fear ourselves. And the thing is, is what they do at first is they cry out to God. And that's the question that we have to start off by asking ourselves today is, who or what do we turn to when we're afraid? Because the answer to that question will reveal to us who and what we are depending on. See, it's often in moments of fear, um, we, we come to realize where our dependency is. And that's, that's one of the great benefits of us fasting as a church during this time because it's revealing that to us as individuals. Um, and in this moment, we see the Israelites cry out to God, but that cry to God quickly changes as we see in verse 11. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In this moment, their cry to God quickly turns to complaining against Moses. They complain because in this moment, they look at their circumstances and believe that they're bigger than their God. See, we complain when we do the same thing, and we complain when we try to put our hands on a situation, we try to fix it, and that's when we try to do things in our own efforts, and it just escalates our fear even more so. See, what they say to Moses is pretty interesting. They say, hey, you should have left us in Egypt where we would have been living as slaves because it was the only thing they had really known. The thing is, is they found comfort in their discomfort. And oftentimes we can do the same thing, especially if we've been in a, an uncomfortable situation for so long and maybe the only thing we know and we allow it to hold us back. We take comfort because it's, it's what we know. It's the things that makes us settle in life. Um, if we've known discomfort for a while, it'll keep us from taking risk and pursuing God and following Him the way He desires. That's why we settle. That's why, that's why sadly, some married couples will settle for a loveless marriage um, with very little communication instead of speaking to one another, talking to one another, and letting God grow that relationship the way that He intends. It's the same reason some parents will settle thinking that their child's behavior will never change and they'll never pursue after Jesus. They settle. And so why sometimes we settle and believe that God would never use us because we'd rather stay uncomfortable and just wonder what could be what God could do instead of actually taking a risk and letting him use us to impact someone else's life. And the Israelites in this moment, they complain against Moses, but his response is not one of fear, it's one of faith. It's, it's one that's full of confidence, not in his own abilities, but he's confident, he's confident in the power and the presence of God. As we see in verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. 
And see, some translations here will say, while you stay calm or while you be still. In other words, God is calling the Israelites to wait. This moment, they're, they're surrounded with no way out and the army's pursuing after them and God says for them to wait. That's exactly what he calls them to do here. Let's be honest. We've, we've done a lot of waiting over the past year. And if you're like me, I'm, I'm tired of waiting in many respects. Um, maybe eight days into this 21-day fast, you're tired of waiting. You're tired of fasting. See, often God will call us to wait not for answers, but to be still before him, to seek him and to learn to love him greater. And in this moment of waiting, Moses gives them three directives. The first one is to fear not. He tells them to not do the very thing that comes natural and the thing that they are facing in the midst of this, what seems like a hopeless situation. He says to fear not. And in fact, this phrase, fear not or do not fear is woven throughout the whole Bible because God knows it's such an important thing for us because he knows it's going to impact us daily. He knows that fear is something we're going to face quite often and it will be the one thing that will hold us back. See, fear stops when we take our eyes off of our circumstances and we place them on Jesus. And it it doesn't mean that he will take away the, the thing that's causing the fear in our lives. In fact, it may remain, but it does mean that we don't have to walk through it alone. It doesn't mean that we walk through it hopeless. So this is why community groups are so important to us here at Public Church, because when we have these moments of facing fear, we have other people that can come alongside us that point us to the truth that not only do they love us, but that Jesus loves us and is walking with us as well. The second thing Moses says here is to stand firm. You don't stand firm unless you first get rid of fear. This doesn't mean that you stand firm in your own abilities because when we try to do that, again, that's when our fear actually will escalate in our lives. But we stand firm in knowing what God can do while we wait and we stand firm knowing that He is present with us. And then the third thing he says is to see the salvation of the Lord. And you don't see that salvation of the Lord unless you first get rid of fear and then you stand firm. See, we we see what will happen next for the Israelites is that they see the salvation of the Lord and it happens in a way that they would never predict or anticipate. We see that beginning in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. God tells Moses that after a moment of waiting, that they are to go forward. See, God will have us in seasons to to stop and wait and to allow Him to work in our lives, to refine us and to prepare us for what He has ahead. But then there is a time for us to step forward, to, to move forward into what He is calling us to do. And in this moment, God tells Moses that he's going to raise his staff and to spread his hand over the sea and split it and create this way for the Israelites to go forward. And then God tells Moses over the next couple of verses what actually is going to happen in that moment is that the, the army, the Egyptian army is going to pursue after them, but that God's going to stop them. He lets them know that the Egyptians will be defeated and the, the Egyptians will know that God is the one true God fighting for Israel. And what we see happen next is really something beautiful. In verse 19, then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel 
moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night with that one coming near the other all night. See, in this moment, this cloud that was leading the Israelites standing before them takes a moment to surround them, and actually he moves behind the Israelites to move between them and the Egyptian army to protect them. See, here's the thing is God is going before us. He is literally going before us to guide our paths in life. But there are often times when we don't even see it, we don't realize it, but he's working behind the scenes. God is working behind the scenes in ways we don't always see and in ways that he's protecting us. And we see that this for the Israelites in this moment. And so verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea a dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and to their left. Can you imagine this scene? Like whether you've read this and heard this many times or if this is your very first time, can you picture this scene? The Israelites were in this situation. They felt stuck with no way out, but God steps in after a period of waiting and a period where they, they are to stop fearing, they are to, to be still and stand firm. Now he splits the sea and provides them a way out. It came in a way that they never would have expected and they never would have anticipated. And oftentimes that's exactly how God moves in our lives. He, he brings healing. He, he provides for us. He, he restores us. When God moves in our lives, most oftentimes it will happen in ways we never anticipate. And then what happens next is exactly what God told Moses would happen. See, the, uh, the Egyptian army pursues after them. They go after the Israelites. They go chase after them. But in this moment, it actually says that God stopped their chariots. Uh, if we were to read Psalm 77, uh, it tells us that God brought a storm with heavy rains, with thunder and with lightning and with an earthquake, and he stopped the Egyptian army. And in this moment, they begin to flee and they cry out and say, it is God who is fighting for the Israelites. They realize who God is in this moment. And Moses then does as God instructs him. He stretches out his hand again and the waters come over and pour over the Egyptian army. And God saves Israel that day in a moment and in a situation that seemed hopeless, that seemed like there was no way out. God stepped in. And I love how it says this again in, in verse 29. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and to their left. It says this twice, verse 22 and verse 29, that they would walk through on dry ground with this wall of water on their right hand and on their left. And I've read this many times over the years, but this has stood out differently to me uh, as of recent times, because I think if I was standing in this scene, I think I'd be terrified. I don't know about you, but if I was standing next to a wall of water that is being held back supernaturally by God, I think I would be scared to see this in that moment. I'm, I'm not scared of water necessarily, but 
I'm possibly an Enneagram six. And in this moment, I would be thinking about all the ways that this could probably go wrong. I would be trying to think about all the ways we could escape if something changed. I could be thinking about all the ways that I could help me and the people around me to get out safely. Hey, think about it. Have you ever been to a large aquarium where you go through a tunnel in the midst of water uh, and you, you look around and you're surrounded by water on all sides and you see all this, you know, marine wildlife, sharks and all these these large fish. And in that moment, you go through and if you're claustrophobic, I don't recommend that you, you plan this as a family outing. But as you go through, I can remember doing this one time and seeing and hearing someone say, well, I hope this glass doesn't crack because then the sharks will get us. No, the water will be what gets us first. The millions of gallons of water that's surrounding us would be what gets us in that moment. I think if I was standing in the middle of the Red Sea with the waters part on both sides of me, I might be terrified of this image. But as I've studied this chapter lately, I, I see why this is stated twice. And I believe it's to show us that they walk through what we would think might be a terrifying scene, but they walk through with no fear. Now, how do we know that? Well, because if we look at verse 13, the thing that Moses tells them is to fear not. See, if they had continued to hold on to that fear, then they would have never been able to cross through the sea on dry ground. It just would have been way too terrifying for them. But they took their eyes off of their circumstances and they placed them on God and, and they were able to walk through without holding on to fear, without fear holding them back. Because the, the truth is this, we can't move forward while we're holding on to fear. And maybe today, some of you realize that, that fear plays a huge role in your life. Or maybe you already knew this, and this is just a reminder for you. Um, some of you, maybe you've, you've not taken part in this 21-day fast because you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid of what it's going to cost you, and it will cost you to, to give up something. Um, maybe you're afraid uh, of what God will reveal to you about yourself, maybe about what He wants you to do. Um, if that's you today, I just want to encourage you to start. It doesn't matter that you've not been a part of the full 21 days, because something's better than nothing. And I believe that God will honor that and that God will work in your life through this time. Um, some of you are taking part in this fast, but you're afraid you're not going to make it 21 days. And I just, if that's you, I just want to encourage you to stand firm today. Stand firm and let, let God strengthen you and speak to you through this time. And some of you today, you're, you're, you follow Jesus, but you're really letting fear hold you back from going all in in that relationship with Him because you're afraid of what He might ask you to do. And if that's you, then I just want to encourage you to, to, to take a risk and to, to go head first into that relationship with Jesus and let Him direct your paths. And there, there's some of you maybe are watching or listening today and you don't follow Jesus. Um, maybe your life feels similar to that of the Israelites. You felt like most of your life has felt stuck in a situation that felt like maybe you had no way out. Maybe you're even afraid of following Jesus. And if that's you, then I just want you to think about how Moses says, fear not. And that is woven throughout all scripture. But as we just celebrated Christmas a few weeks ago, when Jesus was born, the angels appeared and they said in Luke chapter two, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, all the people includes you. All the people includes me. All the people 
includes everyone if we'll take hold of that good news. And that good news is this, is that Jesus values you and loves you so much. He was willing to, to die for you and die in your place to cover your sin. And the sin is the things that you and I do wrong. And let's be honest, we all do things wrong, but Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of that sin. And he rose three days later. And if we would surrender our lives to follow him, we can have a life that is full of purpose, that is full of meaning, and a life that we don't have to give in to fear constantly. But I wanna be clear about something. It might be easy to look at a story like this in scripture and say, well, if I follow Jesus and I do all the right things, then everything will just work out exactly the way that I want. And I want, I want to be clear because every story doesn't always end with a bow tied to it. In fact, my life, your life, most of our lives, those of us who are Jesus followers, our lives don't always just end up the way that we would like for it to. And in fact, for the Israelites, after this moment, they would experience a lot of hard days. They would experience times when they had needs, they needed water, they needed food, and God would show, show up in different ways. But there was even a moment when they were disobedient, and because of that, they faced the consequences of wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And sometimes you'll face hard days, even as a Jesus follower, because of the consequences of your choices. But sometimes we experience hard days because there's just still sin in this world doesn't mean that there will be no pain, that there will be no fear, but it means that there's purpose and that we have hope in Jesus, that we do not have to walk through any of that alone. And so if that's today, if you, you've been holding on to fear, but today you want to follow Jesus, you can just call out to him wherever you're at. Just admit that, that you are a sinner, but you believe that he died and, and that he rose again, and you ask him to forgive you of that sin, and you surrender your life to follow him, and just and call it to him. And if you mean that, he will change everything in you. He will give you a life that is full of purpose and meaning. And if you do that today, then we would love to hear from you. Please send us a text to 423-665-9317 because we want to walk with you. We want to celebrate with you. And maybe if you're today, you still have questions. We would love to hear from you because we would love to help answer those questions that you have. See, this chapter ends talking about how God saved Israel and that they believed in God and they actually began to fear God in this healthy and reverent, respectful way. And it says that they began to trust Moses as their leader. But here's what we know is that throughout Israel's history, many times they don't get it right and neither will you and I. We won't get it right all the time. But this was a foundational moment in their history. And we know this because this exact moment is shared throughout the Old and New Testament. We, they refer to it. And while they don't always do things right, this would be a monumental moment that would have an impact on them far beyond this very time. And so what if today, what if today letting go of fear could be a monumental moment in your faith story? How could God use you today if you stop living a life consumed by fear? See, some of you are in a period of waiting. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you to stand firm, to let God work in your life in this season. But some of you have been waiting, and it's time to take a step forward. 
Some of you, it's time to, to step out and to not know what the future may bring, but to follow God. And maybe it's something simple as just calling someone today and to just tell them you love them. Maybe it's going to a neighbor or someone and, and telling them what it means to follow Jesus and how, how God has made a difference in your life and you want them to experience the same. Whatever it is, take a step forward and trust Him today and let Him guide you. See, because this was a monumental moment in the life of Israel, the very next chapter, they sing a song to celebrate. And I want to read a couple of those verses in chapter 15. Verse two says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. And it goes on to say, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders. So we're gonna sing another song. And today, what if as we sang, we let fear bow down today? What if during this time, we took time to sing? And I encourage you to sing along. You can stand where you're at, you can sit where you're at, or you can just let these words sing over you and refresh you today. But maybe today, what if we allowed fear to bow down in the name of Jesus. God, as we pray and we, we call out to you, I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live a life defined by fear. Um, Lord, there, there's hope in you. There's hope in your name, Jesus. And I pray that for all of us today, um, that we would, we would take hope in who you are. We would let you uh, guide us as we stand firm, as we cast off fear. And Lord, that in times of waiting, we would allow you to refine us. But God, when it is time to step forward, that we would put our confidence and faith in you, not in our own abilities, but God, trusting in who you are. Lord, thank you that because of who you are, because of your death on the cross, we have a reason to live. Lord, guide us through this life. Help us to take steps through seas on dry ground, Lord. Thank you for your love and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social medias at a public church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting PUBLIC CHURCH in all caps and no space to 77977. Again, thanks for listening.